welcome to Blades Pod. It's Monday, the 20th of January. My name is Ben. Joining me on the line, as always, it is Andrew. How are you doing today, Paul? I'm very well, mate. Yourself? I'm good as well. Slightly disappointed we missed an opportunity to uh, to gain serious ground on the top four this weekend. But well, do you know what? Only I've just worked out this morning that only two teams out of the top eleven actually won this weekend. One was Liverpool. One was Liverpool. The other was Wolves. <laughs> that's ridiculous, isn't it? Mm. Uh, the Premier League. And that's the man you lost. Tottenham drew. Uh, obviously, Arsenal drew. We drew. Uh, Chelsea lost. Leicester lost. So. <laughs> What a mess! But then, uh, yeah, opportunity. I mean, I, I did think with the Man U thing, with the, when you saw the Rashford injury news, I was like, oh, that's you know, it just uh, helps our chances of finishing in the top six just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, is, yeah, yeah. It's still still a pretty insane thing to say, but I would, <laughs> I would say less insane than saying we need forty six points or whatever it is to stay up at this this stage. So there's more chance of us getting in Europe at the moment than there is of going down. Let's put it. Who would have thought that in January? Yeah, I, I think bookmakers probably would agree with you actually. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. Anyway. Uh, this is going to be a, a fairly speedy one, I think, because obviously uh, we're recording this on Monday. We have another game tomorrow evening against Manchester City, which we will talk about at the back end of this. But um, yeah, we're going to talk about a draw with Arsenal this weekend. And yeah, I mean, a, a one-all draw. And um, I think you and I said before before the game, um, you know, if, if we won today at Arsenal... It wouldn't feel like a huge... I mean, obviously, it would be fantastic, but I think probably if you go back a couple of years, it would be like, this is probably the greatest result in our modern mm-hmm. history, had we won at the Emirates. But actually, it's kind of like, well, you know, Arsenal below us in the table. They might be sort of getting it together in under Arteta, but, you know, we're like two-thirds of the way through the season now. The, the table doesn't lie, does it? Or, it, you know, it, it shouldn't do at this stage, really. And, um, yeah, it's a, a, a good a good point away. But, um, yeah, I just, I just thought it was like a, a mark of how far we've come that I'm kind of like, yeah, good result. Draw at Arsenal. Nice one. Good work. Yeah, like, I, oh my God. yeah, I agree. And I think, again, all the interviews after, you know, the, the Wilder clearly were pretty frustrated. And I think the fans after and stuff are, yeah, good point. You can't knock the point and stuff. But uh, if we'd have played a little bit better, you know, we could have got three points, which is... It, it's a cliche, but it is a testament to how far we've come in it. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I chuck this in the uh, in, in the pod notes, and I'll, I'll just throw it at you now. Are we as good as Arsenal? Better than Arsenal? I, <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I don't think you can say we are realistically. I think that yeah, so far this season. But you just look at the players they've got. I mean, they were missing a few as well, Arsenal. And mm. I do think that um, I, I still think they'll finish above us. I'm going to be honest, but. Yeah, the fact that that's a question in itself, I think, yeah. is a a really, really just just a strange thing to ask. It's, it's legitimate, but yeah, I, <laughs> I guess feels strange. Are we better than Arsenal? And, guess... and I'm coming an R in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I guess you could look at it from two angles, couldn't you? The uh, the will they finish above us in the table? Mm, I guess I guess I probably yeah probably if I had to pick one side of that, I probably would go with them just because you know there's still ten days of transfer window left. Maybe they'll. Sign some really good players or something. And they're obviously getting it together a little bit. I thought. I think yeah. if that had been Emre's Arsenal, for instance, on Saturday, we might have even won that. Yeah, indeed. Um, but if it was like, uh, you know, what what do you, what chances do you give us of beating Arsenal, like in a, on a neutral ground or something like that? Oh yeah, yeah. If we got them in the cup, for instance, semi final, something like that, I won't be like, oh my god, this is going to be this is a bad draw. Yeah. You'd be thinking, yeah, we could, we've got a chance here. Yeah, indeed. And uh, yeah, I think this was a fair result, right? Do you uh, do you agree with that? Yeah, I'm surprised after. I'm really surprised at Wilders. I don't know if... I've obviously watched it in the pub, so I don't know if I just had too many drinks and I'm getting a bit OTT, but I was really surprised after how negative Wilder was. I don't think we were great, but any stretch of the imagination, but I thought it was a deserved point, and I've probably got the red and white spectacles on there, but I really did think it was a deserved point. No, I completely agree. I think it was a deserved point. I think anyone, uh, probably any Arsenal fans, try to tell you otherwise... Uh, Clutching at straws a little bit. I mean, you just look at the, the stats of the game. Expected goals was almost dead even, slightly in our favour. Uh, we had more shots than them, 12 to 11. Big chances was one each. Um, and yeah, it was... I mean, to be honest, it was a bit of a forgettable game, I thought, which, which yeah. is, is quite convenient because uh, we're trying to do this podcast uh, quite quickly today. Yeah. Um, you know, co- even compared to, uh, you know, the West Ham game, for example, had much more incident and talking points, I think. Whereas, yeah, it, this one kind of... Um, I think we got to half time and we were one nil down. It was like, oh, you know, that's 
that's kind of come out of nowhere that opening goal, and it had been a bit of a nothing half. And I, I think actually we uh, <laughs> we we were disadvantaged by the uh, the facilities and the stream in the pub. Uh, in yes, the... <laughs> we missed a couple of United's best chances. Yeah. Which... So, I think because I was surprised after everyone said, "Oh, we created a couple of really good chances first half." Like, I can't remember them at all, but obviously that's when the stream had gone down. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, the game sort of. Uh, it, I think it sort of broke down into uh, three sections in it. I think we were. I think we were very good for uh, good at least for the first twenty minutes or so, mm. Uh, mm. and then we basically took an hour off or fifty minutes off. Um, and, and did very, very little in that time and then yeah. made some changes at the end and suddenly looked more dangerous, got the equaliser, possibly could have won it as well. It was a couple of couple of dangerous moments. Um, but yeah, as you said, Amuse had uh, a couple of chances um, right at the start. Um, one was offside, which I... I think it had have been given, actually. I think it might have been overturned, yeah. If he'd edited it into the net, it looked, yeah. looked very, very close. Yeah. Um, but yeah, good a good uh, cross from the left for from Stevens, which he headed over. Difficult chance, but mm. I was looking at this the other day. You know, we, we've only scored I think two headed goals this season, which is is towards the bottom end of the league. I think it's about. That's quite surprising, that yeah. Yeah, I think it's about. Uh, I don't have it in front of me now, but I think it was about sixteenth or seventeenth. But then, the, you know, we're only a couple of headed goals away from being like basically in the middle of that pack. Not many headed goals get scored, so I think people sometimes... None of our centre-halves have scored, have they, this season? No. Uh... Normally, you're off your set-pieces and, and stuff. I think our set-piece, like I think you mentioned it last pod, have been pretty poor, aren't they, compared to, in terms of goals at least? Yeah. yeah compared to the league. It's weird, though, because I do think we're... You know, we do look like we are going to score from set-pieces pretty much mm. every game, to be honest, and there was another one in this game, which was pretty yeah. unfortunate as well. But, yeah, that... That, the other second Musa one that was actually given offside did come from a set piece where we, um, uh, I can't remember who it was, but somebody, it might be O'Connell, heads it back across and, yeah, he just ends up flicking it uh, yeah. over and wide when, yeah, you think he's probably just going to divert it in. Um, I think then we basically, as I said, kind of just took the rest of the half off. I don't know really what happened, but we just, we lost any grip at all on the game. Um but it wasn't like Arsenal were particularly doing it. Yeah, we seem to go through the motions. I do think, I mean, I'm gonna, I'll put my negative hat on uh, for a little bit. And I do think since that City game, we've not been at our best. And there's, a, there's actually a quote from the City fans, which we'll get onto later. But, mm. And they say something like, Sheffield United are still good, but they seem to have lost that full-on intensity that they had um, you know, last month or the beginning of last month or whatever. And I think there's a lot of merit in that. I think that we've... I think I don't think we're playing bad late. I think we're competing in every game. I, I don't think we deserve to. I think we deserve to beat West Ham. I think we deserve to get the draw. So we're getting the points that we deserve, in my opinion. But mm. it's not quite. And I suppose it's understandable as the season's going on. It's certainly not a criticism in a, you know, pull your finger out, lads, or anything mm. like that. But and I think Wilder knows that. I think he knows that he needs. It, we can get back to better levels. And if we'd have played like you know we were against even against City away, uh, I think we'd have won that game. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it's I think it's a fair comment. I mean, you you got to throw in that massive caveat of, you know, if you go from the City game onwards, we've played City away, Liverpool away, West Ham yeah. at home, and then Arsenal away. I mean, three yeah. three out of four away and three out of four away, three out of four. It's games true, and I'll take a lot out of him as well. I, I, it, yeah. There's no doubt on about that. I think that we are raising. I don't know if we are raising his game anymore, but it is tough to do that. You know, mm. week in week out to play. At that level, and I think we've maybe seen that with Lundstrom a little bit, um, obviously with his performances and stuff, where you sort of you run out of steam to a certain degree. And I think he'll possibly, I think he'll probably come back into it towards the end of the season. But at this particular moment in time, it looks a little bit leggy and a little bit, you know, it, for me, and he's taking out the team for a couple of games. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I do also think there's a little bit of, um, I think the amount of goals that he scored, sort of. Might have led us to led us to overrate his performances a little bit. I, I'm not telling anyone how to how they're thinking here, but I, I always think that's one of those. You know, he, he scored what was it four goals in in a really short space of time, and you know that, it was quite unsustainable that he was going to do that. You know, every yeah, single game. yeah. That's, I mean, he's still getting in the box, which I, I, I did mention to someone yesterday actually. That mm. it's, it, it was an awful effort when he blasted it over the bar, but he's still 
you know, he's still getting in there, and, and he's, he's, I don't think you can really fault his energy as such. He's still looking like the player who's going to arrive late and get the goal yeah. out of all our midfield. Even though Fleck's scoring, his goals are slightly different. He's, I think Lundstrom still the one to make that driving run, you know, and just mm. not be picked up and, and put it in. But it's just not really happening for him at the moment, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like he's the one that's looked the most limited out, out of that midfield three, certainly, um, mm. in, in the last three or four games. And again, caveat the opposition. But I mean, the Liverpool game, he yeah. was just, you know, he, he was shown up, to be honest. And there's, there's no shame in that. I mean, Liverpool have shown no, up no, no. literally every other team they've played this season. Well, Slag did play well in that game and he's been fantastic all around that. I thought he was probably our best player again on Saturday, or certainly up there. Yeah, certainly in with a shout. Um, but yeah, it, it did... I think watching this Arsenal game and then you're watching the highlights back again, it's a bit like mm, if we had another player there that could kind of, you know, there's a couple of moments, I think in the second half, we have a nice bit of football and it comes to lunchroom and he ends up winning a corner, but he doesn't really do anything. You know, he basically just stands on the ball and then crosses it from a... Well, our our goal obviously came from Bessic just doing a little bit of a shoulder turn, didn't he? Exactly. It wasn't the best bit of skill you've ever seen, but I don't see lunchroom in his current form doing that. Yeah, and it's, it's... that's not really been his game, even in this it's like, not, ridiculous it's not. run of form, is it? He's more of a, you know, a, a good passer, short and long range, and then the, the energy to get up and down, make tackles, get in the box, that kind of thing. But yeah, I, I, agree, I agree overall. Like these last few games and very high intensity, high difficulty level games, but that's been the sort of point where I've thought. I think, like, if I had to pick a weak link in the team, it's become mm. that position a little bit in terms of yeah. not that it's like costing us points, but like. That's probably somewhere we could improve, and maybe Bessage is exactly. Well, there's two probably. things with this, though, as well. I think that uh, the, on the negative side to Lundstrom, I think, for instance, when Fleck and Norwood have like difficult games, they've still got enough to do. Norwood will still play a, a 40 yard pass that'll, mm. you know, get you into a better position. Fleck will still go on a, a run that'll take two plays out of the game and, and maybe put a good ball in or even get a goal or whatever. Lundstrom's game, as you said, it's more box to box, so it is all about his energy to a, to a big degree. He's mm. not. He's not really, although he used to try it when he first came, he's not a 40-yard passer anymore, is he, or anything like that. He's not someone who's going to take people on or anything. So if his energy levels are a little bit down or if he's a little bit off, I think that stands out a little bit more because you're not going to remember anything he's done, if that makes sense. Whereas Joe will remember, well, Lunch, you know, Noah did put that 50-yard pass in that set us on that attack. Lunch is not that sort of player. Now, at the same time, I almost wonder if the Man City game is, is a game to keep him in for because... We might need somebody, you know, charging forward to get on the end of a, a Moussa cross from midfield yeah, or think, something like that. Yeah, I think that'll be flexible. I'd, I'd, I'd certainly play mm. Bessic. I think he deserves it, to be honest. Yeah, it was uh, it was another good cameo from him, for sure. Mm, um, right, back to back to the game. Was just before half-time, Arsenal took the lead from... It was a nice move. It ends with um, Saka, who was playing left-back for them. Uh, putting over a cross, takes a deflection off Baldock, and it basically drops right into the six-yard box where... Uh, 18-year-old Martinelli runs in and uh, and knocks it in. And it, it was very deflating because, as we, as we kind of said, you know, it'd been a, a bit of a nothing half, really. And we'd... Yeah, thought, yeah, yeah. You know, we'd, I thought we'd held our own more than, uh, you know, at, at least held our own, to be honest. So to go with a goal down like that, and a, a pretty soft goal as well. I mean, do you think there was anything avoidable about that? I mean, it, it didn't look great, did it, to suddenly have... Uh, a bloke free in the six-yard box. Yeah, into the net. I think um, from looking back and stuff, I think O'Connell follows, um, I can't remember what player it is, but he follows someone out and sort of points to Egan as if to say, you know, watch, hmm. you know, the guy who scored, I forgot his name, what's his name? <laughs> uh, Martinelli. That's the one, yeah, sorry, yeah. He's like saying, you know, watch him. And I don't I don't know if it's the deflection that makes it sort of, but Egan doesn't really follow him. Hmm. He's not tied to him or anything like that. So I think it could have been avoided, but... It's not at the same time a, a huge, huge error. It's just one of those things, isn't it? Yeah, the deflection is the killer, I think, because it. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah, yeah. It, it suddenly looks like it's looping straight into, like, straight to Henderson's zone, if you like, where he can come yeah. and easily claim it, and then, yeah, the loop on it kind of makes it curve away a little bit. So, yeah, it was, it was kind of just, I don't know. Yeah, I was just a bit like, oh, yeah, what? Almost, what can you do about that? It wasn't like a fantastic bit of play or anything. It was just a, I don't know. It was just a kind of, kind of crap goal we'd have conceded time and time again last time we were in the Premier League and yeah. it was frustrating I think more than anything else because it was just a nothing game as you said after that first 10-20 minute spell from us mm. I, although Arsenal had all the ball I, I think they only really had a couple of half chances I don't think that they they still had Pepper and his goal or anything so to concede you're like well you know if you're playing rubbish or, or it's a rubbish game, should I say? Then just see it out. Get it, you know. Get to half time and and see where you're at. So you know that could have really given Arsenal the 
momentum, I thought, in the second mm. half. But fortunately, they never really took hold of the game. Yeah, it was literally at the end of the first half as well, when it forty fifth yeah. minute. Um, yeah, I think their only their only other chance of real note came from uh, Pepe put a good ball in and uh, Martinelli yeah. volleyed it wide. But again, a, a difficult chance, not exactly uh, a sitter or anything like that. No, no, no. Um, into the second half, uh, we so near. Oh, actually, probably the next thing that happened did involve Pepe. Um, I, I think second half we, I think we opened it up a little bit, didn't we? It felt like we were. Yeah. You know, committing men forward a bit more. You know, Stevens was kind of well. Stevens got into the box in the first half as well, but you know, he was getting forward down the left. You got Fleck really driving forward with the ball uh-huh. as well, and that did leave um, a few gaps at the back, which Arsenal were not particularly able to take advantage of. But no. yeah, they're, they are a team, Arsenal. I think if you are attacking, they are a dangerous team to play against. Now, although they're not the best, they're still they're, they're really fast, aren't they up front? And they've got players who can run with the ball and. I think when you're pushing, you're always going to concede chances, I think, when you're chasing a game against Arsenal. Yeah, indeed. But at the same time, you know, they only only managed six shots themselves. That's in, it. Yeah, that that, I thought we half. actually defended pretty well, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, the, the next sort of big talking point is this. Well, I did, to be honest, I did not think I would be uh, discussing this as a talking point <laughs> until I watched Match of the Day on uh, Saturday night and then, uh, yeah, read some stuff afterwards. But Pepe, penalty... I mean, I, I, I try. So, when I started doing this podcast, I wanted to be as as unbiased as possible and to try and be a bit objective. Obviously, you know, still be a United fan, but to try and try yeah. and be balanced, basically, and you know, try and call a spade a spade and, and not, yeah, not kid around and make you know just completely make the, a false case of what happened. But this yeah. is not a penalty at all. I- I'd love to argue with you because we sound like I just get the feeling that an outsider would think they're too biased these two but mm. I'm, I'm with you I don't get it I don't what's best of the day back and Ian Wright's going off as if like you know O'Connell's got a gun out and shot him in knee or something like that <laughs> I, I don't understand it I mean it's a little bit of a coming together the dive is ridiculous like from <laughs> Pepe I don't understand I don't know I really can't get my head around I mean I watched uh Oh, I can't remember what the other one was. There was another show I watched, and they were saying exactly the same. Like with the highlights, I think it was Tony Gale doing the commentary. And he goes, "Oh yeah, that's a penalty." Hmm. Is it? I, I I I don't know. I can only imagine that we're both seeing something through Sheffield United glasses because I can't see why that is such a big event at all. No. I didn't at the time when it's got when I've got when I did the view from and like half the comments were about that penalty shout. I was like, yeah. well, this is clutching at straws a bit. And then I watched Match of the Day and they were talking about it. And then I watched the Sky Sports highlights and they were talking about it. I was, well, mm, yeah, I, they've seen something that I've definitely not seen. Well, I barely blinked watching it live. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. When it showed like the the VAR check, I was like, I, you know, I had one glance at it, I was like, oh, it's not a penalty, and like basically, yeah, that's it. Yeah, almost stopped paying the... attention. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I didn't think anything at the time. I was surprised when I looked at the view from... It was a bit, bit of an odd view from to do in many ways because a lot of it was up about that penalty decision. And I, and I was thinking at the time, well, this is this wasn't a big event, were it? And then yeah. it's only since I've done that that, you know, that he's come on and I've realised that everyone is talking about it for some reason. Yeah, so here's what happens. Pepe dribbles into the box. O'Connor, he, he moves to go past O'Connell on the inside. O'Connell flicks out his leg uh, and then withdraws his leg. At this point, there's been no contact between defender and Pepe. Pepe throws himself into O'Connell, goes to the floor, and wants a penalty for it. And there's a, you know, it, it makes a great screenshot of uh, which I've seen many Arsenal fans sharing of o- yeah. O'Connell with his legs stuck out and Pepe about to run into it. But you can't, you can't just throw yourself into players and then fall over. I mean, otherwise, oh. otherwise everyone should do it because if you get a penalty for that, that's a better goal scoring chance than pretty much anything you're going to create from open play. So you should just constantly be throwing yourself into defenders and falling over. I, I mean, I can understand it if they went to, you know, if the pundits were saying, hey, yeah, maybe I'd have give that. You think, well, I wouldn't have, but fair enough. But the way, like, I know Ian Wright's an Arsenal fan, but the way you were going on match of the day, you were going, oh, how's he not seeing that? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I feel... I feel like I've been pretty fair with decisions for and against United this season yeah. when, I've, when I've talked about them. And I think we've said before, we've been, Baldock's been lucky to stay on a couple of times, haven't they? Like with, with challenges he's done, and I think we've pointed that out. And you know, these goals that uh, decisions that our fans have like complained about when we've said, you know, now that that weren't a, you know that weren't a foul or, or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, yeah. even oh yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I really really don't know what what people are 
so angry about that. I was uh, I was surprised. I actually, this is one of the first, I haven't I, for some reason I just never watch much of the day anymore. I just uh, I mean probably the best. Yeah, with the advent of you know the internet and the ability to watch <laughs> stuff on YouTube and Twitter. But um, I was on on baby feeding duty at that point, and needed. Something. I thought you were going to say I'm on babe station. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> Strange, and all strange segue for 10am <laughs> on a Monday, but yeah, um, I needed something to uh, to watch for 15 minutes or so, and it's just, uh, sorry to just segue into match today, but I think VAR has made it even worse, because this is probably why I stopped watching yeah. match today in the first place, because their analysis is just like, was this a penalty? Every single blooming game, all they want to talk about is, was yeah. this a penalty, yes or no? And now it's it's not only was this a penalty, but... Did VAR make the right decision? I yeah. don't. I don't care about this. Can we talk about the actual football? It really is frustrating, and I understand you've got to talk about the big decisions. But for instance, the last what three games that we've played for three out of the four, I think I'm right in saying mm. the analysis on match of the day, Sky or whatever, has been for instance this this penalty shout for the last one. The last game was obviously the Declan Rice handball, mm-hmm. and the one bef- not the Liverpool game, the Man City That's game was obviously the refereeing thing. Yeah, we've heard nothing about. Are we playing well, or did yeah. they think we deserved it? No one knows anything about the game because all they're seeing is that one decision. Yeah, I just I find it such a reductive form mm. of punditry, and I, I say this fully aware that we've just spent ten minutes talking about a refereeing decision. Completely, and I think if you've got an hour show or whatever, or that we're going to be doing this, then yeah, talk about it for ten minutes. I think that's fair enough. But when you've only got two, three minutes on a game, yeah. I just think it's ridiculous. It's just boring TV spending it on a decision that. Yeah, all right. I, I can make my own mind up when I've watched the replay two or three times. You know, if, if I think, for instance, Jack Grealish has dived, I'll watch the replay myself. I don't need Ian Wright and Alan Shearer to say, yeah, I think that was a dive. Mm. I don't think you need a replay to know that Jack Grealish has dived. <laughs> um, I, am, I am, yeah. final note on this uh, penalty non-decision. I am looking forward to Dermot Gallagher confirming that the correct decision was reached. Just as he does for... You no, know, it's going to be the one time where he's going to turn around and say, nope, that was a definite penalty. <laughs> <laughs> if it is, uh, I fear for his safety. I think I'm going to have to uh, put out a preemptive, <laughs> preemptive warning for you. <laughs> Keep away from him. <laughs> right, let's let's move on from that. Um, McBurney almost got us an equaliser from a corner. Um Heads it towards goal. I don't know what their goalie's doing. I don't think he's very good, to be honest, old Leno. No. Um, but he's, I mean, no man's land doesn't even cover it, to be honest. He's, I don't know what, he's not even facing the ball by the time McBurney heads it. Somehow, I think it's Xhaka has, has had a, a brainwave and decided to drop onto the goal line at the last moment. And yeah, basically just gets in the way of it. So this is what, uh, this is why I'm not too worried about lack of set piece goals because it's just moments like that. You're like, you know, yeah. That, that's probably a goal most times. It's just Xhaka happened to get himself in the right place at the right time. Yeah. Um, and we talked about McBurney being good in the air last time, didn't we? And I, I think, I'll see if I can pull it up, but he is actually really good in the air. Like, you know, compares to... Winning balls and stuff. Yeah, uh, I think uh, I think the, the second, I think we're off the corner again, you only had it straight at the goal line. Hmm. Arguably could have done a little bit better with that. I won't say we're a free header or anything, but you know he, he, had, he does edit straight at goal rather than into the corners and stuff. But yeah, in terms of winning challenges and stuff, he's, he's a massive threat, I think. He is. I mean, he's genuinely one of the best in the league. I'm just looking now. If you do it on... Um, so this is on... You know, To an extent, this is di- dictated by how teams play. So if, you know, teams hit more long balls, there's going to be more chances to win headers. But we, he is the uh, fourth highest in the league, the whole Premier League, Um for aerial wins per 90 minutes. Um, Carol Benteke, and then very improbably, five foot nine Shane Long ahead of him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, it's, you know, but it is like a who's who of uh, target men and central defenders. Carol Benteke, Shane Long, McBurney, Haller, Deeney, Calvert-Lewin, Joe Linton, and then you've got Tarkovsky yeah. and, uh, and Shane Duffy, two central defenders. Um, but the rate at which he wins them is good as well. It's, uh, it's mm. above 50%, so... Uh, he wins 8.6 per night, he loses 8, and, you know, he's, f- above 50% is good, basically. There's, there's only Carroll yeah. and Benteke that win him at a better rate. If you look at Deeney, he he loses more than he wins. Calvert-Lewin's the same, Joe Linton's the same, uh, Haller is, is about 50-50 as well. So, yeah, he is, he is a very good, a, a dominant aerial presence, and, yeah, I think we see Without that. being a target man, I don't think, as well. He's not necessarily an Andy Carroll where you just hoof it up to. And I think a lot of our fans... Maybe myself included when we first signed him, thought he was going to be a bit more like that, and he's not really that sort of player. 
But to have that in his arsenal as well, I thought he played well. Again, I, I think he's really getting better and better. I thought particularly when he, you know, when he dropped a little bit deeper, mm. uh, when we went to four three three, I really thought he looked really good. He was putting tackles in, he was getting on the ball, yes. starting starting attacks and stuff. And yeah, he's in, he's really good to see. I think how he's developing at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, I, I haven't seen enough evidence of the the McBurney Musso partnership yet. I think in terms of. Um, how can I put this? In terms of them having the ball, I mean, I'll, no. look, I'll look this up. Moussa, after 20 minutes, Moussa touched the ball nine times for the rest of the time he was on the pitch, which was another 36 minutes, I think. You know, it just we just weren't able to involve him at all in that middle no. kind of 50 minutes, which is, is a shame. But yeah, I, I, I am really liking what I see from McBurn. He wasn't, I think he was, uh, I think he was much better against West Ham than he was in this one. But still, as you say, he still has those moments, doesn't he, where he, uh, you know, there's a couple of ones where he wins the ball, like um, basically midfield, and then he's, he's driving at their defenders. Yeah, and I think yeah, he played yeah. Moussa on the right in uh, in one of them. Um, you mentioned it there, and it's quite unusual that uh, we did change to a bit of a 4-3-3 mm. at the end. So let me just get my timings right here. When did when did this take place? So, look at through there. Substitution. So, Robinson comes on for... Well, first of all, I think we moved... Bash him into midfield, didn't we? Um, and then, uh, and then Besic came on for him. As it, That's right, yeah. It started to look a little bit of a fish out of water, to be honest. Basham at that point yeah. wasn't really involved at all. Robinson comes on for Lundstrom, and then Sharp is a straight swap for Moussa, and that's in that's on fifty six minutes. So we don't, uh, excuse me, I'm doing this backwards. Uh, yeah, let me let me start that again. <laughs> Sharp, <laughs> Sharp comes on for Moussa in the fifty six minute. Robinson for Lundstrom sixty seventh, and then uh, yeah, we've got Basham in midfield at this point. It's bottom of four three three. Besic came on for him in seventy six minutes. So I don't feel like we've played. Um, I think we've had three strikers on the pitch so far this season, but I think it's yeah. generally been with McGoldrick. Playing as a as a deeper player, yeah, as a number it's a ten role sort of thing, yeah, yeah. Um, and all right, it was a very limited amount of time. It's probably like twenty minutes or so, but it seemed to work. I thought it looked it looked quite promising. Sharp, Robinson, and McBurney. I mean, it is a yeah, yeah. It's a bit kitchen sink, obviously. You know, leaving us leaving us open, chuck everything at them, but promising. I thought Sharp again. You know, without having a kind of decisive contribution, if you like. You know, he does put himself about Sharp, doesn't he? That's a, yeah, that's such a cliche. He's, he's a good pressing forward, I think. Probably better than you might expect for somebody in his early 30s at this stage mm. of his career. Um, this is why I think I, I don't mind Sharp at all coming on as a sub and stuff like that, those sort of games. Not not necessarily because I think he's going to... He's not Moose, he's not going to, you know, sort of outstrip anyone for pace or doing it. But he's a massive, massive... He's never going to stop running. And that's it. It's easy to say that as if it's like, oh, it's just nothing. But, you know, when players are tired, it's a, it's a difficult job. And he's, a, he's such a clever player as well, Sharp. That, yeah. I think that you know, even you know, the header for the um, McBurney when he just come on, aren't they? Uh, we cleared off the line. If you look, mm. Sharp does his famous trick of standing in front of the goalkeeper. Oh, I which, that. Yeah, which sort of it's not a foul, but it's probably puts him off. I don't think any other player in our team thinks that you know as the ball's coming in. Mm. Yeah, Sharp's just immediately like, how can I foul the goalkeeper without fouling <laughs> the goalkeeper? That's it, yeah. Pretty clever. Um, no, but he does it well. He wouldn't have been disallowed or anything, but it's another one. He just sort of moves in front of him, like mm. clever little bit of play, bit of movement. Yes, and uh, and two of those subs in that front three uh, combined for uh, yeah what felt like a, a deserved equaliser, but maybe I don't know. I felt like this is probably just drifting to a one 0 defeat just because we haven't really created masses, even though we we're looking a bit better. Um, well, actually, all three substitutes combined. Now yeah. I think about it, because yeah, Besic picks it up deep. That that nice drop of the shoulders you mentioned goes out to Robinson, who takes it on the turn, puts in a cross, sharp kind of. I don't know if he actually gets a touch on it or not, but essentially forces the ball to run to Fleck, and Fleck pings in a volley, a bouncing yeah. volley that yeah skips up and into the top of the net, and yeah, uh, a, a great finish. I thought. I mean, uh, so I, I keep seeing Arsenal fans saying this took a deflection. Am I am I tripping? I can't actually notice that. I've been. I think it does a little bit. I've seen one angle where I think it does sort of. I don't. I don't think it makes any difference. I don't think it changes the flight of the ball anyway or anything like that. I think it's just sort of a. Such a minor hit off him that he's not. There's no way he's saving it, is there? <laughs> no, exactly. Because yeah, it's just bouncing up off the ground and in. Um, Fleck fifth goal of the season. Mm, top goal scorer, joint joint top goal scorer. Yeah. Do you know how many goals he scored for us in the previous two seasons combined? Oh, I, I'll I'll say four. It is four. Yeah, good. That was a guess, complete guess, because you because you were on five. I thought. <laughs> 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 I got the one number below. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, he's, he's having a ridiculously good season. I mean, his role has definitely changed a bit with in this midfield yeah. three, hasn't it? But fair play to him; he keeps getting the box. And, and you know, and, I, and then I was thinking, I was thinking, how fluky is this? How sustainable is it? I suppose you know, is he is it feasible that he could go on to get eight, nine, ten for us this season? And you know, when you think back to other games, it kind of is. I mean, he, yeah, you know, yeah he, I think so. Yeah, definitely. He almost scored against West Ham. Uh, I'm just trying to think about other recent games now. Uh, you know, we had that sort of double shot doing it that went just wide and. You know, he got in again and set up the uh, set up the winning goal against West Ham. Could have taken it that himself if he wanted to be wanted to be greedy. Yeah. Um, yep. So yeah, it's uh, he's in a, a proper purple patch, but one that potentially could yeah could carry on from a goal scoring perspective for the rest of the season. I think. Mm. Yeah, I agree completely. I think he's he's reveling in that role. I think mm. it, it, might, it might probably took him a few games to get used to that. You know, that driving into the box. I think he's played well all season, but. It's only since like I don't know the fifth or sixth game when he came out from injury that we saw him really becoming a goal threat. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't see why he can't get eight or nine to be honest. And uh, yeah, I mean that's a really difficult finish, isn't it? The mm. uh, shot. Yeah, I'm just looking now. It's uh, understat of that as a 0.02 xg chance because yeah. it's because it's on the volley uh, because of the the angle that he has to hit it across. Fantastic finish, absolutely. You know, yeah. top class and. You know, if you're an Arsenal fan, you might be like, "Oh, how unlucky is that?" You know, that only goes in two percent of the time. But yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm much more thinking like absolutely great technique and what a finish. And yeah, maybe he'll soon be good enough to be playing for Scotland if he keeps. Who knows? Up. Yeah, McGinn's out, isn't he? Um, <laughs> I don't want him to get caught up in that horrible Scotland squad. Talk, no, I, sort oh. of. I mean, I look at their squad. Squad going on a tangent here, but I look at Scotland squad, and you, it's not bad. Yeah, they've got some good individuals. Yeah, each, I just don't understand why they're as bad as they are. On, on paper, they're much better than like both the islands, for instance. Yeah, I think that's a fair show. You look at yeah, midfield options, McGinn, Fleck. Uh, I mean, I don't think McTominay's that good, but... you know, No, no, but he's, Snodgrass they could call on. <laughs> yeah, old, old Snodders. Snodgrass. I, I saw he was at it again this weekend, fizzed in. I think it might have been West Ham's goal, actually, or, uh, or a good chance, but fizzed in another free kick that... Uh, Aldo, isn't he? It really is, yeah. <laughs> Every time I see him stand over I just get PTSD now. I think yeah. so I quickly change channel, not not to Babe Station. We're not have to play him again this season, so <laughs> yes, very true. Unless no, he goes a genuine transfer window, someone like Norwich, but <laughs> it could happen. It could happen. Let's hope not. Um, we had another yeah. opportunity to uh, to actually nick this game right in injury time. Robinson does well down the left, sends in a cross, and uh, McBurney. I think he takes it on his chest and then hits it, and and Louise gets in the way and blocks it and. Uh, I can't remember who follows it up, but his shot is blocked as well. And yeah, I thought we were going to nick it there. I really did, even yeah. even allowing for the goons in the pub that are uh, sixty seconds ahead of everybody else. So annoying. So annoying. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it, it really is because you know it's not going in. So like, you see a ball going in, you can't get excited because people behind you are already going to tell you if it's a goal or not. So. <laughs> um, quickly, uh, thoughts on Callum Robinson? Uh, a little cameo from him. Yeah, I thought, to be honest, first five, ten minutes when he were on, I thought he was quite poor in that deep position. Mm. Um, I thought he got barged off the ball a few times, didn't really get involved, looked a little bit weak. But I thought one, I thought McBurney dropped deeper and Robinson went more forward, didn't he, like in the in the, the final ten. And I mm. thought McBurney was the one sort of... But Robinson was drifting around all over the place and definitely... I don't know whether it was more to do with the tactics that were employed that made him look like he had more space. He's got obviously a clever play from him as well, but... Yeah, I thought he looked. He looked like a, a good impact player in that little spell. I thought. Yeah, and he has had some, you know, decent impacts. I, I feel like you know people are kind of really ready to write him off and you know mm. just get rid, get him out on loan. You know, we need better, etc. I mean, what is he still in like twenty three, twenty four? Yeah. You know, I, I'm not gonna. Yeah, it's 24, yeah, 25 in a couple of weeks. Um, you know, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie and say he's looked fantastic or anything like that. But there's been flashes there, aren't there? And, and I think against Chelsea away, he was fantastic that second half, and we all thought we were gonna kick off from on from that. Obviously, mm. Man U with that little bit of skill that he did for the for the equaliser. Um, I still, I still have him as fifth choice striker. If I'm gonna be completely honest, but that yeah. one more like it. I think in terms of. Just adding something a little bit different with his, although he's not quick in terms of a hundred meters sort of quick, he's fairly mobile. I think mm. in terms of floating around the pitch, and he, I think there's definitely, I think what's annoying about him is there's definitely something there, isn't there? And it's just yeah. trying to get that 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 out of him. I think there's definitely, a, I think there's definitely something there. And it's just all whether he can sort of push on. Really, mm. Scott is, you know, the the thing I do like, and I've seen. 
pretty much every time he plays it. He's got good feet, you know, he's got a good control mm-hmm. and he moves it quickly out of, you know, out of his feet, out of the defender's way, particularly like when he's in the box in the final third and stuff. And yeah. I think, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I think back in probably October, November, we we rated uh, our summer signings. And the, the thing that we, I think the main criticism we had of him was everything he does is really safe. Like he just yeah. he just takes an easy pass. He doesn't he doesn't try a through ball. He doesn't you know try a bit of skill or anything like that. Try and take someone on. And I think since then we have seen some flashes of him. You know, trying to cross, trying to go past the player. And even if it doesn't work, as you say, it's becoming a bit more of a impactful uh, substitution. And- yeah, and it, like I say, he's a fit player as well, which is uh, a lot of our forwards have struggled. Musa in particular has obviously struggled with fitness and stuff and. McBurney's not always, particularly at the beginning of the season, not really. I won't say he's not put the effort in, that's wrong, but he's looked a bit knackered, hasn't he? That he's not sort of closed down as well. I think the one thing you can say about Robinson is his fitness does seem to be fairly high, I think. You know, he, he puts himself about the pitch a lot without actually sort of often getting involved as much as he probably should. But Yeah, I think he's another one that's getting there. I mean, there were a couple of games at the start of the season. I think he went off with cramp quite early and we were, mm. when, he was, yeah. uh, when he was actually our sort of first-choice um, strike partnership. But yeah, yeah, I think he is getting there. I mean, this this cameo, as you say, it wasn't, you know, I'm not going to I'm not gonna pretend that it was fantastically good or anything like that. I just thought it was... It was promising. This is what I expected him to be like in terms of how we were going to use him, I think. Yeah. Where he's, you know, he's drifting out wide, dropping into space, taking the ball kind of, you know, kind of on the turn and already ready to go at the defenders and trying to make some happen. I mean, I never... did it against Man U as well. I think, you mm. know, when we're chasing a game and stuff. And I think once we've, I think it might be, it's interesting to note that his best games have seemed to have come when we've got another two strikers on the pitch. Mm. I think, for instance, against Chelsea when he were good, we had Moose and McGoldrick playing. True. Uh, against Man U, obviously at that point Sharp and McBurney were on, and obviously in this game we had Sharp and McBurney up front again. So it's interesting to note that his best game seems to have come when we were playing with three strikers. Yeah, that's a really good shout by you, actually. Um, I mean, that was it. When I mean, I never, I from what I'd seen of him at Preston, I didn't think he was this kind of. I didn't think he was like a Musa, you know, a, a getting behind kind no. of. No, I thought he was. And this is, uh, I hate to make this comparison because it's, it's an obvious, uh, easy kind of, uh, they have the same skin tone kind of thing. But mm-hmm. I, he always struck me as a Deli Alley kind of play. You know, this sort of... Just off the front two sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how you, there's, there's probably some great football manager term for uh, for that particular role. The Deli Alley role. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce some of the, the, the weird ones that you can get your strikers playing in football manager yeah, these days. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I always saw him as like someone who's basically dropping into space and and that's why when we signed him I was thinking you know this guy could be the next McGoldrick for mm-hmm. us or and, and potentially that was kind of how we how we saw it at the start of the season although it was actually paired with McGoldrick when he said yeah that's true that's yeah thought. but but yeah so that was uh it, it was another little bit of encouragement for me I don't want I'm not getting overexcited I think but... Wilder likes him I do think Wilder mm-hmm. likes him I think that he's he's put him on in pretty much every game aren't they a lot of the times before Billy Sharp yeah, it's, it's probably. I mean, we. I think we mentioned it last time, didn't we? It's probably up to like fifteen or sixteen appearances now mm. in individual games, and all right, some of it's just for a few minutes here and there. But the fact that he's getting on says it all, really. And I think also uh, the fact that he and Sharp are both still getting on probably, you know, put, puts a nail in those rumours that either yeah. of them might be leaving. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't. I think it'd be mad anything. just on that subject of Sharp. I think he's looking more and more insane every week that he leaves because he's getting game time every week and he's, he's yeah. actually contributing as well. Definitely. I mean, yeah. I guess with Sharp, it's it's kind. Of, it feels like we sort of said it's in your hands. You know, if you mm. if you do want to leave, we won't stand in your way. But look at what you've got here. I mean, you, you do play in the Premier League almost every single game, and uh, yeah, do you really want to go and I don't know start every now and again for someone in the Championship? Well, yeah, I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd stay. I definitely. I'm not just saying it from a United point of view. I just think that. He must know this is his last real chance. Well, it is his last chance of getting Premier League football. I think even if he dropped around to the Championship and got promoted with a team, they'd probably get rid of him, to be honest. Yeah, I think so. Well, I think, yeah, probably just be on loan, wouldn't it? I reckon, yeah, this, this is what I mean. So I think stick at it. He's loved here. He's going to get game time. And I think, you know, if we're safe with, I don't know, three or four games to go, or whatever it is, and we're technically definitely safe and we're not going to get in Europe or whatever, I think he'll get a run of games as almost like a... A, a fair well I know Wilder's not a sentimental manager but I think he'll definitely give him a couple of games to and who knows you know he could get three or four or five Premier League goals but you can look back at the end of his career very possible um, so one all draw with Arsenal takes us to 33 points uh, hopefully the start of another unbeaten away run so the only away games we've lost this season are Liverpool Man City and 
Mine's gone blank. What was the other one? It wasn't so good. Uh, was no, it's just M2. Uh, it is, of course it is, yeah, because we yeah, were ridiculous. Yeah, Liverpool, Man City, yeah. Uh, it just gets more and more bizarre. <laughs> well, we've only time. got Man U and Leicester to play out of the top six. Yeah, you're right. Left. We played Chelsea away, we played Wolves away, we played Spurs away. <clears throat> yeah. Got to go to Palace, but we've played Arsenal away, Everton away, so that's down to 11th at that point. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, a good point. We move on to 33. Um, I mean, if you if you still if you're still worried about the relegation zone, you shouldn't be. But we are 11 points clear of it, and with a vastly superior goal difference. And I, yeah. I get the worry. I get, I, with this relegation thing, I, I laugh at like people and say, "Oh, every time like it seems like every time a team below us, like Burnley won yesterday, mm-hmm. fans are going, oh my god, how many points do we need?'" <laughs> it's, and it's that panic, and I think it's because. We've been hit in the past and all this sort of stuff, but I guess. we'd have to take a dramatic, not just for, even if our form falls off, we still probably only need to win two games out of the last 16. Absolutely. Which is, I mean, that's just, just even even Norwich have won, you know, won games at a greater rate than that. It's, this yeah. is it. It does feel last year won a couple of games, you know, in the last 50. I think they beat Wolves 1-0, no, remember, towards the end of last season. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and the end of the season as well, teams are going to, there's going to be a lot of teams with nothing much to play for who... I reckon we'll possibly be trying stuff out, you know, like Everton and stuff like that. Who mm. I imagine like Ancelotti will be trying players out and stuff. And there's, there's loads of games to come and where you can pick points up. And yeah, I'm not worried. I say yeah. that I'll be, if we lose next week. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get on to that next game in a moment. Um, first of all, let's give out our alternative man of the match if you're ready. I'm ready, yeah. Nice one. Right, brought to you by the Denblades fanzine. Uh, the alternative man of the match tries to pick out someone who, who doesn't get the mainstream attention that it deserves, just like the fanzine, which is written, edited, produced, illustrated by Blades. And uh, as all great fanzines does, does do, uh, it tries to, yeah, basically highlight things that um, you may have missed or maybe forgotten about United's history. So what do you want to put forward uh, as, as alternative man of the match for this one? I have three nominations. One of them was our fitness team, our injury physio team, just purely based on what happened with Rashford. Mm. Um, obviously, the news coming out that he'd been playing in agony by the sounds of it for the past two months, which is just incredible for a club of Man United yeah. side, that, size that they've had to do that. Uh, another one was Mo Besic, simply because Jonathan Pearce on Match of the Day, obviously you said you didn't watch it, constantly referred to him as Ben Osborne and no oh, idea. I didn't no no I did see that yeah yeah that's hilarious yeah and he was like he's Osborne so I've, I think it's only fair that he gets his credit for that goal but I've actually gone for Ollie McBurney for uh, getting booted in the private <laughs> okay well I can tell you now McBurney is going to win this award because he, he was also my nomination you've, you've, you've uh, outfoxed me and, and saved it for this moment so this did not make it on the highlights but um... <laughs> he rocked day two last night actually Oh, was it? Excellent. You know, on the Too Good, Too Bad. Right, nice. Um, There's a really good reaction from Mike Riley where I can't say this on here, but he basically says, like, he shouts to the physio team, it's his... (laughs) 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 So, uh, that run Too Good, Too Bad last night, but, yeah. Fantastic. Well, yeah, that was it. It was like, oh, McBurney's down, and, uh, you know, like, oh, he's... We think he's done a hamstring, or is that is that watching it? But we all showered hamstring. Everyone's like, oh, it's his hamstring. That's his hamstring. And yeah, then we're also going, oh no, you know, that's that's. He's just he's just starting to get into a good run of form, and you know, I'm, I'm mentally like running through what we're going to do, like you know, because if McGoldrick wasn't in the uh, yeah, in, yeah. in the eighteen, so it's like, oh, you know, is he going to be fit enough? Are we going to have to play? Does that mean it's going to be like Sharp and Robinson on on Tuesday against Man City? And, da, 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 and then. Shows a replay, extreme slow mo. <laughs> it just takes one Ooh. right, right to the groin, and um, yeah, I, I just <laughs> I should laugh at this, but it was it, actually very, very funny. It, it, fair play to him to get back up. I think I said to you in the in the pub as well that I've played football before and I've I've got booted in the eye once. I did a little bit of boxing a while ago and got a, a broken nose. Nothing hurts as much as that. So and that takes you out for hours <laughs> it can still be it can still be a, uh, it'll still be thinking about that um, yeah. you know like it's sort of that did oh yeah I think that'll take him a good 20 minutes to get over it's not quite no, probably not that surprising he didn't do much of the rest of that first half <laughs> yeah he's, he's a pro athlete his, uh, his recovery time is, is much better than uh, the average person I think um, I think it's the fact that he got that slow motion 
replay, and he's sort of, at that point, I'm sort of wondering, like, mm, what's how has he done this? I'm waiting for him to suddenly grab at his hamstring as he's like stretching for a ball or something like that. Because <laughs> he wears quite tight shorts as well, so yes, yeah. Yes. The, the point of impact was uh, was very evident, and uh, yeah, sorry, sorry, Mister McBurney. It's uh, I don't know why that's so funny, but it just is. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, mate. He, he was my nomination as well, so I hope it's a small crumb of comfort to him that he, he takes this award. Um, so that is the alternative man match brought to you by Denblades, uh, the fanzine. You can get the season ticket for 2020, uh, which is four fanzines throughout the year, plus extras like stickers and badges. No postage costs. Do check it out at denblades.co.uk. Right, mate. Uh, a last, a couple of other things. Uh, actually, one more thing before we move on to Man City. How worried are you on a scale of one to ten that we are 20 days into January and it doesn't look like we're going to spend much money? Two. Yeah, I'm I'm right around there with you. Do you want to give me give me your logic? I understand this to a degree where people are saying, you know, let's push on. We're not going to go down. Why aren't we spending money? And I know people think it's a massive uh, excuse when you say, you know, January transfer windows is, is for idiots basically because it's or desperate teams at least because mm. that's what. That's when, you know, for me, the January transfer window is for your teams such as Villa, uh, West Ham, who, who are in massive relegation trouble. I don't think there's any need for us to pay over the odds for a player that we can probably get for five million cheaper in the summer. Mm. I understand the argument against it. I completely do. I understand the frustration that we've had a really good season. And, you know, if we spend 10, 20 million in the January transfer window... We look like we really are pushing on, but I think I don't think you can judge the prince's uh, wealth or whatever he's going to put into the club. I don't think you can judge our transfer policy based on a January transfer. Uh, sorry, our transfer policy as a whole based on a January transfer window. No, and I think um, I'm sure I read. Uh, oh, my mind's gone blank. Who's what's the name of the fellow that uh, works on uh, Betis? Steve Betis. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, I'm sure I read that. You know, he he he. It was either him or Wilder, but I, th- I think it was a conversation between the two of them uh, that was published somewhere. That um, you know, it's uh, if the right player is available for the right amount of money, then we'll get something done. But yeah, I, and that you know that totally makes sense to me. You know, if, if it does, uh, you know, if for some mad reason uh, Brentford suddenly need to offload um, Ollie Watkins, for example, or Ben Rama. And you know we can get him for ten million or something. Yeah. Then then do it. But it's it it would be mental to me to spend twenty million on someone like Jared Bowen or even even uh, Eze at QPR or someone someone like that. I mean, I, yeah, I just I, I think the thing is with the January transfer window, it gets people sort of you know everyone looks at Jim White, don't they, on, on yeah. and looking for their signings and stuff. But let's say there were no January transfer window and they were just sort of. Uh, we were just sort of, you know, the, 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 it was short. That's it. Yeah. I don't think any of us would be saying, "Oh, we desperately need this or that." We need a backup, and that, and I think that's what we'll probably get. I think we need backup for O'Connell, backup for Stevens. We do need a midfielder better than Lundstrom at this particular moment in time, but it's going to cost you fifteen, twenty million, I think. And I think there's better value to be had in the summer. Yeah, I'm. I'm more. Than, I mean, look, we. As I say, I'm. I'm really confident we're not going down. We're also seventh in the Premier League. We're probably. Being realistic, we're probably not going to make the top six. Is it still a no, chance? No, no, no. I don't know so probably... if that would be a good thing in, in, overall. I don't want to be negative in that sense as mm. well, but that idea of being in Euro- Europa League is exciting and also sort of, whoa, that next season's going to be a bit tougher. Yeah, so I, I totally get the uh, what an opportunity to kick on knowing what league you're going to be in next yeah. year. And, and definitely, but uh, it, this is not the time to overpay for someone who is... You know, we'll be we'll take ages to integrate into our team. That's the thing we always see with our signings, isn't it? It takes them ages to get up to speed because we play in such a particular way. Look at last season, and people say last season Dowell Medine got us over the line, and I agree to that. But Dowell, you know, by the end of the, by the end of the season, those two weren't in the first team. Mm. It, yeah. it does take a while. Medine were a good option. Medine were a fantastic. But he were there because we didn't have that option. We do have that option now. I think with McBurney. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the only players I'd really like to see us sign are, are cover, really. Um, yeah, and I, I, like I say, is it worth spending 20, 10, 20 million pounds on a player now who is probably not, well, he's not going to get in the first team, is he? Like at this particular moment in time, unless we're bringing a, an incredibly good midfielder or something like that, I don't see who you're dropping. No, no, exactly. I mean, the only thing I would say, 
Um, and we we said this before kickoff on Saturday. Bench looked pretty weak this weekend. I thought in terms of game changes, I'll just rattle it off. It was Sharp, Robinson, Jackie Elka, Kieran Freeman, Verips the goalkeeper, Ben Osborne, and Mo Besic. And all right, three the three that came on had a good contribution. And you know we've we've, we've spoken before, uh, including in this one, that we'd probably like to see Besic start a game now. Oh. But that that's lacking a bit of game changing options there. I think you know. Well, at Freeman- the same time, Luke Friedman wasn't in the squad, and neither were Aval Morrison. Or McGoldrick, I suppose. Or McGoldrick, yeah. And they're three of our more skillful players, I would think, or certainly creative players. Yeah, I think two of them. I think, yeah, certainly if Freeman, Luke, that is, and McGoldrick are on the bench, that, that does look a lot different then, I think. And uh, Yeah. Yeah, so it might just be and a bad example. And you've got Jack as well, who's, you know, it's, it, there's a lot of players there um, who... You, you could have in that sort of that sixteen. I was really surprised Luke Freeman weren't in the sixteen. To be completely honest, yeah, I wonder if there was a, an injury or something there. Um, well, it's not sixteen; it's eighteen, isn't it? I can't. Eighteen, yeah. No, yeah. I'm the same. Yeah, I took, I took I had a bit of a brain freeze trying to say that one <laughs> as well. Um, so yeah, one one player that we have been quite heavily linked with uh, in the last twenty four hours is Jack Robinson of, of Nottingham Forest. Who I must confess, I was not remotely aware of. Uh, as a footballer, and and has, has, has caused a bit of a stir, I think, and uh, I don't know some of our fans, I suppose, as a, uh, a, a a sign that we have no money to spend, rather than probably just being, as you say, a player that's just going to be back up and probably won't play for us very much at all, barring injury. So Robinson mm. is a left side and centre back who's played a lot at left back for. Well, it's probably probably better to call him a left back who can play centre back. Um, for Forest, uh, he's not been in their team for a month or so, but he played more or less every minute of Forest seasons up to that point, uh, with the odd game here or there on the bench. Um, not an exciting signing, but it just I mean, that would just feel to me a bit like when we signed Rodwell, it's like, yeah, cheap. It reminds, you know what it reminds me of Martin Craner, yeah. I think shout. he's got six months left in his contract at Forest, he's obviously been frozen out for whatever reason, he's not been in the squad for a while. I reckon that my my prediction, I could be way off, is that we'll possibly take, if we do sign him, we'll take him on a six-month deal till the end mm. of the season. If he does well, we'll, we'll keep him. If not, I, I understand it because it's January. It's our first signing as a sort of established, if you like, premiership club when we're doing well. And it's Jack Robinson, a, a reserve from Nottingham Forest. It doesn't look good. But at the same time, it's, it's, he's there for cover. I don't, I don't see the yeah. big issue at all. And it's not about looking good, is it? It's about this building, is it. And I understand in this day and age, you see Villa again linked with everybody again. You know, every time you put the telly on, they're like, oh, they're going to sign this striker. They're going to sign. Look what's happening to Villa. You know, the yeah. bottom, the third from bottom of the league. They need these players. If we were third bottom and we were signing Jack Robinson, I'd be thinking, wow, this is what we're doing. But we're not. So <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a good summary. I can't. I still can't believe it, even though I saw it with my own eyes. Pepe Reina playing for Villa. Mm. It's the most Villa signing, isn't it, this just season? Got proper Villa, aren't they? They've got Drinkwater, Reina. They run about Benteke. Who's next? You know, like, <laughs> I can imagine, like, I don't know. Uh, I, can't, I can't think of who the, who the next, like, sort of signing would be. Nugent. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Like, some people who were good, like, t- 10 years ago. Oh, dear. Well, yes, it's very nice not to be in that position and... Yeah, signing a 26-year-old reserve from Forest doesn't particularly bother me in the slightest. And as I say, you know, I'd like us to fill out the squad a bit more in this window, but I'm not going to be upset if we're, uh, you know, not not splashing loads of cash. In fact, to an extent, uh, I don't want us to do that. I want us to be Another argument savvy. I've seen is people saying Wilder did say if we were in a competitive position, he'd, he'd ask the Prince to, you know, put thumbs in. I don't know if you remember that interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah I do, yeah. But so, I, I, I also get the feeling that he was expecting us to be around maybe 13, 14th at that point. I don't know. But, yeah, we're in, a, we're in a funny position, aren't we, in terms yeah. of what, almost what do we do next? Because, yeah, as you say, there's very few... I think there's very few positions where we could sign someone that you just drop straight into the first team. I think it is probably just Lundstrom at this point. I mean, an alternative to Mousse would be nice, someone that could play 90 minutes yeah. and do, do that role exactly the same, but... And as you say, did, I think people completely underestimate how long it takes to integrate into our system. Mm-hmm. Definitely, I think so, you're looking at. I mean, you look at Musa; he's, he's blowing out of his backside in a lot of the time. He didn't. He never got a full preseason with us, did he? No, and as Bessis is only just coming to the team. He never got a full preseason with us, neither. So, 
Indeed, indeed. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that unfolds, but uh, nothing to panic about, I don't think. Right, Manchester City, let's talk about that quickly. Uh, coming up tomorrow night, what, what's the uh, what's the feelings from Man City fans having uh, having checked out their uh, their fan base? Well, I, I posted a view from this just, just before I did this, actually, and um, it was real difficult, weirdly enough. Not filed difficult, but <laughs> it was difficult to get because it's come so soon after their draw with Palace, obviously, sat this game, that... They've sort of, you, they have lost the title, aren't they? They're not going to win the title, realistically. So I think there's a lot of doom and gloom and they're all talking about where it went wrong this season and where they can improve and stuff like that. There's not really that much excitement about the game. They think they're going to struggle on the whole. You know, I think it's going to be a really, really tough game. Um, they don't, certainly don't think they're going to swat us aside. I've not found anyone who's actually said that they're going to win. So That's incredible, isn't it, that Man yeah. City would be saying that about United? Genuinely and someone said to me, like, you know, there's not many comments there. And that's not me being lazy as usual. That's uh, genuinely because most of the talk is about next season for them all. But to be honest, most of the talk is about the Champions League against Real Madrid. Mm, because that's is, the main aim now for them. That's ages away, isn't that like mid-February? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, isn't that just bizarre that they'd be like that? But yeah, uh, yeah, it's not for a, it's over a month. It's like six weeks away. It's but hilarious. But... If you see, if you think about it from their point of view, though, the season is pretty. They are obviously going to get in Champions League. Everyone knows that, but they're not going to win the league. So, no. I think they're sort of playing out time a little bit, you know, for this season. It must be a weird position to be in. That you know, you you're second in the league. You're the second best side, but from what they're used to, yeah. it's still a bit of a letdown from him. It's a weird one, isn't it? Yes, I guess it's just all about the cups for them now. Uh, there was not... one really good comment from him that I like to read out. Actually, one of them said about us uh, tactically, they're still very impressive, but the execution hasn't been there recently. They're probably feeling the effects of not being able to rotate their squad much over the Christmas fixtures, which I think was pretty spot on, to be honest. Yeah, although I wondered if that was by design. Really, I, I expected mm. much more rotation from us over Christmas than we actually yeah. did, but yeah, potentially. Um... Who do you want to see starting up front uh, in this game? Because obviously the game at Man City, it was Robinson and Moussa sort of all out pace, if you like, and try and mm. hit them on the break. And I, you know, I think that was very, very effective. And it we was. were really unfortunate to lose that game, and certainly unfortunate not to score in it. Um, what's uh, what's your thinking team wise? I'd go Moose again. I think he got took off early enough for him to start um, again. When did he get taken off on Saturday? Uh, I think it was fifty six. This is what I mean, and I think that probably half because he wasn't involved, and half probably because the he's the one threat. I mean, Manchester yeah. on the City actually view from they say like they are very susceptible, as we know, like to the balls over the top and a little bit of pace behind. Mm. And he's the perfect player for it, isn't I? To be fair, I play him in my goal trip, To be honest, I probably lean McBurney and Musa because I I mm. like the McBurney aerial threat that we talked about. I mean, if you watch uh, uh, Palace's chances, like came come from. Uh, basically stones like running into the other defender or missing ahead of that kind of thing and that's another thing actually which wasn't your view from um john stones injured one apparently of them says. so yeah and uh, no. said well you probably won't notice anyway so <laughs> <laughs> well i'll notice because i want i want to see moose mcburney going up against stones because uh, yeah. I, know, I know it's become a bit of a, a bit of a joke this uh, this january with the uh, what's his name tom pope the port vale guy yeah yeah, tweeting yeah, yeah. about how weak he was and the scoring against him but I do think you can. I do think Stones is a bit of a weak link. I don't think he's a very good defender, um, and, and ironically, is is one of their only remaining central defenders at this point. Because they've got Fernandinho playing there. He's probably playing. Yeah, he's a Laporte back. Oh. He's on his way back, but I don't think he played at the weekend, did he? I can't remember if he did or not. He might. He might be his first game back. Which again, you know, he's a good player, but if he's not fully fit, then that's brilliant. But I think Moose has got to play. I think that's a start. I don't care how like poorly played against uh, Arsenal I think it's his sort of game completely I think we need him mm. and yeah I'm Bernie or McGoldrick I'll probably pick McGoldrick simply out of freshness that's it but yeah I won't be unhappy if McBurney played yeah uh, what was his name Laporte was not on the bench uh, or, or starting obviously um, on Saturday they did have Otamendi on the bench but mm, not sure about him uh, they do seem to think they're going to uh, make a few changes as well like they've been making six or seven changes a game by the sounds of it really. yeah, I hope so because I was really cheesed off that both City and Liverpool played their full strength team against us yeah. <laughs> even with yeah. the short turnarounds against like come on give us a chance um, although as it happens we yeah. they seem to think Foden will play which is obviously he's not a, a normal first team I imagine Kyle Walker will play for the sentimental value who's obviously he's been in and out of the team as well himself to be honest they uh, 
Whoever they play, they're going to be good, aren't they? So. Yeah. yeah, I mean, as long as players like De Bruyne and Sterling and Aguero, the Silvers are on the pitch, then uh, it's going to be a challenging one. Um, but yeah, yeah it's, I mean, uh, let's not forget the last away game, they won 6-1. They did. Uh, without tempting fate too much, I would be surprised if that happens to us. Because Again, don't say it. Other people shout and say, no, don't yeah, say that. Well, apologies if we end up shipping 5-6-7 now, but I mean, <laughs> I, just, I just don't think that's... We just don't We don't defend like Aston Villa. We're not going to start Danny Drinkwater in midfield, are we? It's, you know... Yeah. No. No, so. I, I do know what you mean. Yeah, I, I'd be surprised myself. I think we've got more... I think our mentality is better than to do that as well. They just sort of folded completely, didn't they? Yeah, indeed. Um, I can't wait for this. I, I wish there was slightly more pub time. Half seven kickoff is uh, mm-hmm. is not ideal. Eight o'clock would have been nicer. Um, but I think this is this is probably the the um, is this the biggest game remaining for us in terms of like a marquee home fixture. Oh, undoubtedly. Yeah, I think the only one other one after this Chelsea. is obviously you've got Chelsea. Yeah, but, but I, I think, think Man City realistically are far better than Chelsea. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And obviously the the defending or, or soon to be usurped champions, but. You know, it's still it's still Guardiola, it's still Sterling, De Bruyne, all the rest in it. Yeah, it's, yeah. This is you know, this is the one. I think this and Liverpool are the ones you look at, at the start of the season. And depending on your point of view, you go, "Oh, flipping neck, we have to play them, don't we?" Or you go, "I can't wait for that one. Bring it on!" And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very much in that camp. I can't wait for this. And yeah, uh, well, I think it's worth good. noting as well that we've we've now this is the last one we've overcome that horrible run of games that we were all dreading. Mm. Uh, from the as soon as the fixtures came out, we thought, "Oh wow, that January," mm-hmm. and he's gone. This is the last one, you know. After this, Palace away will be really difficult. They're a good side, Palace, and then after that, we've got a run of, I think, then three home games after that: at Bournemouth, Brighton, and Norwich. So, yeah. you know, we, we've got we've got. I think we've come out of that really well unscathed. Like I said before, if if we came out with it with a, a plus goal difference, I'd have been happy. We've come out with plus goal difference and four points. Yeah, which is yes. I mean, I, I think that is. I'm pretty. I probably said this already on a previous pod, but I definitely at the start of this season looked at that run from City away onwards to this City at home and thought if we get more than zero points, mm-hmm. that'll be a good return. I mean, obviously the West Ham game, you know, you, you target that one as one you can get points from, but yeah, to get four from two and a bit of a. a I think really tomorrow three, three was the 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 dream in a way. I think when it when it yeah. first came out because I don't think. Obviously, we didn't realise Arsenal were going to be quite as bad as they were and stuff. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I think we'd have, if you said, like, three points. To be fair, even before that Man City game, if you'd have said we'd come out with four points, snatch your hand off. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I mean, fitness-wise, we can afford to go all in for this one because it's FA Cup weekend uh, yeah. next weekend. And uh, I, I imagine there'll be a, a, a lot of rotation again for that one. So the thing is, you know, if we, if we get a win against City, it's really unlikely, obviously, but let's say we do get a win against City or something like that, I would be fairly tempted to play a, a, a strong... Well, I would play a stronger team than we have been playing anyway in the, uh, mm. in the Cup because we all will be pretty much safe by them. But at the same time, coming off of... Uh, our, Arsenal away, City at home. The players are going to be tired, so it's going to be an interesting. Yeah. I think it will be a really interesting team selection, actually, that one because I don't think it'll be as weak as the the filed one. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think it'd be more of a, a mix, certainly. Um, I mean, yeah, I suppose. I think this way you'll see Billy Sharp, for instance, start. Yeah, I think so as well. Um, but yeah, you look at that; it's like a, a ten-day break essentially between Premier League games, so you can afford to, you know, leave it all out there for Man City. Um, and then, uh, yeah, in theory, you can uh, rest legs of key players for 10 days or so before Palace away. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, can't wait, mate. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, night game at Bromwell Lane. Uh, it should be uh, should be a very good atmosphere, I think. I, I, to be honest, I don't really know what Man City's like, away support is particularly like. It feels like a very long time since we... In fact, it's the last time we played them at home, the... Uh, Balloon Gate game. It will have been, yeah. It will have been the Balloon Gate uh, situation. I remember them, uh, when they beat us uh, in the Premier League. Yeah, uh, last time in the Premier League, and their, their away support were excellent then. To be fair, but yeah, with success things change, don't they? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you know, when I first started going, they just yeah, maybe like a three or four seasons following United, like they'd just come down from the Premier League. Yeah, uh, City, they went to League and- One, didn't they? Yeah, and it was like a huge game whenever we played them, and you know it's like six thousand Man City fans. Like, but you know, at that point, it was the best away support I'd seen, and it was almost like because we used to sit on the south stand, like quite close to the um, 
uh, away end at that point when I was, yeah, yeah. first started going. It was like, wow, that is an amazing away support. But yeah, as you say, I wonder if it's become a... I don't know, because uh, you look at Man United, they have quite a, a, a disparity between home and away support, don't you? They do. Know, sort of I'd like to bring that up just then, actually. Yeah, they're, they're away support. I mean, I didn't go this this match uh, to, the, to the Man United game, but normally I always think their away support is really loud and good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but then, yeah, you contrast it with their home sport and it's, uh, it's and, a yeah. prawn sandwich brigade, isn't it? the way that phrase came from. Um, and yeah, Man City, I mean, you know, watch, I watched the highlights of the game against Palace and it's, you know, uh, 80% full stadium. When Palace scored their first goal, there's a group of about 40 Palace fans behind that goal that all jump up, even though it's in the home end. Yeah, and that's a, like a neutral stand, and not a neutral stand. It's like a family stand in it beyond that goal, which always makes a slightly, slightly weird atmosphere. I think at, uh, at Man City games. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm interested to see. I'm sure they will have sold out long, long ago and probably yeah. recognised. But anyway, just a small footnote there of uh, of curiosity. I, I don't think it'll be a. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't feel like it'd be a spicy atmosphere, particularly in terms of like rivalry between fans, as maybe we had a little bit no. of West Ham. And, and, and I'd say to our fans, enjoy it because we're seventh in the league. We could have been going into this game. I think we all expected at the beginning of the season to be going into this game in a relegation battle. Yeah. The fact that we can genuinely enjoy it. A loss is not a, a you know a tragedy, or we're not going to be saying, oh, you know, where's the next win coming from, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Enjoy it. I really, I'm going to do my best to enjoy it because. It's almost like to me. It's almost like a cup game. Not in a. Mm. Not, I don't want to sound defeatist in that sense, but I'll, you're not. We're not expected to win. We're not supposed to win. So just yeah. go for it. Why not? You know, let's just let's just enjoy it. You know, sing loud and all that sort of stuff, and make an atmosphere. It's on BT, I think, isn't it? It is, yeah. Yeah. So you know, let's make a bit of a. Let's make a bit of a. We're normally rubbish on BT, actually, aren't we? So. <laughs> oh no! Don't say that. Don't don't start but, uh, the new week. We've had the you can't win on Sky, then we can't win on any game that kicks off that isn't three PM, and then yeah, this is going back to last season. I'm sure. But night game, Man City. You know, we're we're all but safe. Let's just let's have it. Absolutely, what a way to finish. Love it, mate. Where where can people <laughs> uh, check out more of your your mutterings and content? It's Roy'sViewFrom dot com uh, or Panchero on Twitter. Good man. Um, right, let's uh, let's leave it there then, Paul. Thank you very much. Uh, possibly went slightly longer, as always, than, uh, than intended <laughs> on the old runtime there, but it's all good. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back in a couple of days talking about whatever happens tomorrow night against Man City. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much for your time. I'll talk to you later. Cheers, Paul. Thank you. See you later. Thanks to Andrew. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to the Demblades fanzine for being a sponsor. And thanks also to Beer52.com, who are also one of the sponsors of Blades Pod. Now, if you like me, football and a few beers go together very nicely. Beer52 are offering a free case of their hand-picked beers to Blades Pod subscribers. All you need to do is head to Beer52.com slash BladesPod. Sign up and cover the £4.95 for postage and they will send you a case of eight free beers. And not just any beers, they are the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Traverse the globe to find the best and most interesting craft beers from the greatest small batch breweries the world has to offer. They are on a mission to find the best beers out there and deliver it to their members each and every month. Beer 52 do not hold you to ransom. You can leave at any time with no cost to you. Sign up today and get your free case of craft beer. Get it from beer52.com slash bladespod. That's the word beer, then the numbers 52.com slash bladespod.